So I was staying with my father in a one bedroom apartment. He was so amazing and helpful and supportive. I can't thank him enough for all he gave to me during that time. And he continues to, um, but I had from the steroids, I believe, um, I developed vertigo to the point where it was in the middle of the night. I woke up cause I had to go to the bathroom and I started to sit up and it was like someone threw a rock on me. I felt, I fell back on the bed and I could not move. I was paralyzed, um, because I was spinning so badly and, um, I had never experienced anything like that before and didn't expect it. Um, I really wasn't that person that thought about my health a lot, which is unfortunate, (laughs) but um, I didn't start to research what are the side effects of steroids and nobody just happened to tell me. So um, anyways, I was pretty much housebound for the next week and a half And I didn't, I missed the trip to my, my, to see my family and missing out on that. I'm trying not to get upset is, um, was really, really tough Uh, the toughest part because I needed them. I needed them a lot at that point and, uh, I couldn't go. And I, of course you feel this. I disappointed them. Hello. And welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS and myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. And that is what thriving means to me. But what thriving means to each person is different. And that's what we explore on this show. My core values are growth and humor. So my goal is to learn a bit and enjoy ourselves while we're building community. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? Hi there, my name is Edie Sohesian and I am the host of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story with MS and my journey to get to where I am today. Not that I am at the end of it by any means, but I'm on my path. So in 2015, um, I woke up one day in March and felt this numbness on my side. I also noticed that my two right fingertips were numb. So I called my father, got in the car, drove to the hospital where eventually they discharged me and told me I had some calcium deficiency. They gave me a vitamin and I went home. Now, Rewind a little bit to 2007, eight, I had gone to the doctor um, telling her that my hand was tingly. So she told me to 
buy a wrist brace and sleep in it at night because I was probably sleeping on my wrist incorrectly. So that occurred again. And I had a few bouts of extreme fatigue, but my work environment was very stressful. So I just kind of chalked it up to that um, to the point where I was driving sometimes three hours a day to get to and from work um, because I traveled. And so a few times I had to pull over on the side of the road to, you know, just take a little nap. Um, on the highway. I remember one time driving in a Mustang down down um, on the turnpike down south to South Florida. And man, I just could not keep my eyes open. Um, there were times when I would leave a meeting and come outside and not where my, know where my car was because I just was sleeping really in my brain as I parked. So I just literally chalked it up to stress. So going back to the original story, after um, each day, I would wake up in the morning and more and more numbness would be occurring. And eventually, after about three weeks, I was numb from my chin all the way down to my toes. So... At this point, I'm a little nervous, if you, if you know what I mean. So um, I started going to see doctors and I was between um, physicians at that time because my general practitioner, uh, she decided that she was going to um, do something else. She had started a family and I'm kind of glad because, you know, she didn't recognize any of my signs. Um, going into this and um, I needed to find someone else. So and not every doctor is a good fit. Some have, you know, different things that they are um, more prone to seeing um, when you're in a uh, general physician's office. So I went into a walk-in place <laughs> and met this lovely gentleman who ordered an MRI. I came back. He showed me a T. T2 lesion is what he said. You have a T2 on your brain. And I said, well, what does this mean? He said, I don't know, but I'm going to refer you to a neurologist. You need to go find one because I don't know one to tell you to go to. So I looked one up on the internet and I went to see him. Lovely gentleman, very funny, great bedside manner. Um, But when I went in there, he put all these probes on me shocked me is what I felt like. And he said, well, you don't have X, Y, and Z. So I said, well, what's next at this point? And his response was, well, I need to see you about six or eight more times and I'm not available for six weeks. So every six weeks we'll make an appointment and we'll try something else out. And I said, well, what do I do in the meantime? I don't feel anything on my whole body. And by now I'm feeling this, what I thought was like a boa constrictor wrapping around my midsection and I would move and it would just move with me. I couldn't get rid of it. Um, And a, a myriad of other things, the fatigue at that point had set in so badly and I was working, I had stopped 
driving. Um, I had a lovely coworker that was um, a very close neighbor and she was willing to drive me to and from work every day. Um, but I couldn't continue like this. Um, I was so dependent on other people, which was very foreign to me. Um, I'm a really independent person. And so asking for help was um, really out of my comfort zone. It was almost worse asking for help than it was um, feeling the, the symptoms as they went on. So um, I asked him, I said, what else can I do? And he said, uh, go check yourself into the hospital. So I walked out of that doctor's office and that particular appointment, my dad, actually, he went to all of them with me. Um, he is here with me in Orlando. He's my closest living relative here and um, my biggest support system. So I looked at my dad and I said, dad, I don't, I'm not going to go check myself into the hospital. That's not me. What, what is, what am I going to do? I said, I've called other neurology offices and it takes so long to get in. So um, I went home and I went about my evening. And um, when I went to bed that night, I was thinking I'm going to get up and just repeat the day tomorrow and I can brave this. Now, what else is going on in my life at this point, right? So I was an assistant principal at a high need school here in Orlando, Florida. I loved my job. I loved working, walking into work every day. Um, but it was a needy place. And I pretty much did not have any downtime um, during the day. I didn't make time for myself either. Um, I allowed it to pretty much consume my life, my work. Um, I was so involved with um, how the, every kid was doing, how every adult in the building was doing and not about myself. I also was completing my dissertation work and about to present um, my uh, dissertation, my defense um, at the college. And I, I did, I ended up, you know, fulfilling that and graduating with a um, doctorate in educational leadership. But, um, you know, all of that is going on at once and I'm feeling like this. So let's add one more. I also had just in this time period sold my house and waiting for closing and trying to find a new house. So, um, <laughs> it's it's pretty wild, all of the things compounded when you really think about it, um, what the stressors were that were going on. It was a lot. So no wonder something was going on in my body because I wasn't paying attention to my health whatsoever. Um, I was driving home at, in the evening, not having probably eaten all day during at work, getting some fast food and going to bed when I got home. So just really, very, very unhealthy lifestyle. I had put on lots of weight that year specifically um, and not, I just wasn't healthy. I honestly, so it wasn't a surprise now that I look back that this, you know, occurred in my body. 
Um, and going back years and years before when I was in my, um, I think I was 19 or 20, I did have mononucleosis, um, a pretty bad case. I was pretty much bedridden for about eight weeks. My spleen just would not reduce. And so, um, they were really nervous that it would rupture. And so I was in bed. Um, and of course, you know, many people that I've come across um, that have MS have been through that process. So that was like the initial, let me get in there and make this lady <laughs> not feel so well um, if she does X, Y, and Z um, in her future. So needless to say that next morning, I checked myself into the hospital. Um, it wasn't easy. Again, my dad came with me, couldn't stay because uh, it took a couple hours to get in. But I went into the emergency room and this beautiful man, this doctor, he walks in and he says, um, how are you doing? And I said, I'm not feeling so well. This is what's going on. He goes, oh, hmm. I guess we need to run some tests. I said, oh, by the way, I have a T2 lesion on my brain. And the look on this gentleman's face was like of horror. Like I had said the worst thing I could ever say to him. So anyway, I basically was in the hospital for seven days after that. Um, they checked me in. They actually were very nervous. So they put these uh, things on my legs, like these pressure things on there. Like if, as if I was, you know, a stroke patient, um, and they, I don't know if they had a lot of cases like mine. So I meet Dr. Morgan, the neurologist, and he's lovely. Again, great bedside manner. I was very blessed with him. And uh, he basically told me this is what's going to occur. I can give you a suggestion as to what it is, but I don't know. So I am going to hold on to that until we do some more tests. So they ran so much blood work. I don't think I've ever given more blood in my life. And uh, finally, I get into the MRI. It was super booked. So I waited, I want to say three days just to get the MRI. They took me in at like one or two in the morning and, uh, yeah. So that was three hours of my life. Uh, one of the tests didn't work, so they had to redo it. So it wasn't so much being in the tube. I, I actually like enclosed spaces. It's very comforting to me. I know that's different for a lot of people, but um, when I was in there, having to hold still for so long when I was so numb I actually had a lot of pain in my body from that. And so there were times when I'm in that tube and I'm crying and, you know, you're all alone when you're in there. You don't know what's happening and the banging and this and that. So the one thing that made it a little bit better was that they could play music in the tube. And I had my my Dave Matthews band, which is my absolute favorite, um, playing in my ears. So that was actually a little bit soothing. Um, but tough nonetheless. So they finally wheel me back to my room. And at this point I hadn't slept all night really. And you know, when you're in the hospital, they're constantly waking you up and checking everything they need to check, which is what they should do. But, um, sleep is like in between those things. So, uh, to think forward, I am 
after the MRI, probably about half a day later, he came in and he told me there were lots of lesions, um, uncountable lesions. And I had two on my spinal cord. And he said, that is what is making you numb. He also said there were previous lesions that had, you know, are not alive right now. So, um, you know, there was evidence that I had been experiencing this for a while. So, um, you know, thinking back and I, I, I went through that story, but at that point, I want to say I hadn't cried except for in that tube, but cried for myself, like what's going on with my body. And the next point was to get the spinal tap. And, you know, they start calling it a lumbar puncture, but really, you know what that means? Spinal tap, like they're going to put a needle in my spine. So it was pretty traumatizing actually to think that I had to do this. So the next day, because they couldn't get me in again. So we're on day four. Now they wheel me in to get the spinal tap. It happened to be Easter Sunday. So um, they bring me out and they say, you have to lay still for three hours or else you're going to get the worst headache that ever existed on the planet. So my dad's there. Um, he's sit- I remember he's sitting on the couch uh, in the room with me and my best friend was there. Um, she came Easter morning, left her child and her husband to come um, be with me. And she held my hand for like three hours. (laughs) And by the third, you know, second hour, it was pretty tough. It was like just being in the tube again. felt really, really painful. So she painted my toenails because I couldn't move anyway um, and made it at least bearable. But when I had to tell her on the phone to invite her to come, that was when the crying happened. And it was not regular crying. It was the ugly cry times a thousand. And the nurse came in while I was on the phone with my friend. And she panicked and left the room. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't take my vitals because I was just so distraught. It was like, you know, the the last five, six weeks, I guess, had been six weeks had just accumulated in that one moment, trying to tell this human being um, what was going on with me. I hadn't told my mom or my brothers or anybody, just people at work because I I didn't have a choice. I had been so a mess. I could barely walk. And so people knew something was wrong, but none of us knew what it was. I thought for a while I had Lyme disease Um, because I was hoping it wasn't MS, (laughs) but um, I was more familiar with the Lyme disease. So I guess that was the lesser of the two evils, even though there's nothing pleasant about that either. So (sighs) moving forward, um, yeah, I was in the hospital for three more days after that. And when the the same nurse actually, because you know, you have like a bunch of them because you're there for so long and there's the shift changes. So it just happened to be the same woman and she comes in and she (laughs) looks at the bag of steroids 
And this is my favorite part of the story, by the way. She looks at the steroids and she says, wow. And I said, what's, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And she goes, I have to go consult the doctor. I've never seen this high a dose before. This can't be right. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So she comes back and she looks at me. She goes, it's right. So boy, oh boy, I can't wait to take these steroids and get feeling better. So, um, you know, I, I was somebody that um, didn't stop really ever. I just go, go, go. And again, never really thinking about myself. So I had a, a trip planned um, the following week to go see my brother, his wife and my nephew in New Jersey. And um, now <laughs> painting a picture I sold my house, right? And I'm buying a new one, but the closing happened and the move happened. And now I am, um, which I paid an arm and a leg because I needed people to pack me because I couldn't physically do it. Um, they were holding my belongings because the closing of the one house didn't coincide with the other. So I was staying with my father in a one bedroom apartment. He was so amazing and helpful and supportive. I can't thank him enough for all he gave to me during that time. And he continues to. Um, but I had from the steroids, I believe um, I developed vertigo to the point where it was in the middle of the night. I woke up because I had to go to the bathroom and I started to sit up and it was like someone threw a rock on me. I felt, I fell back on the bed and I could not move. I was paralyzed um, because I was spinning so badly. And um, I had never experienced anything like that before and didn't expect it. Um, I really wasn't that person that thought about my health a lot, which is unfortunate, <laughs> but um, I didn't start to research what are the side effects of steroids and nobody just happened to tell me. So um, anyways, I was pretty much housebound for the next week and a half. And I didn't, I missed the trip to my, my, to see my family and missing out on that. And I'm trying not to get upset is um, was really, really tough. Uh, the toughest part because I needed them. I needed them a lot at that point and uh, I couldn't go. And I, of course you feel this. I disappointed them, right? I didn't go and I, I didn't fulfill this. And my father's like, I think you can go because he's that person that's super optimistic and never um, thinks that bad things will happen. He's that guy in your life that you want around. So I just said, dad, I can't, I can't move. Right. I can't picture myself getting on a plane and feeling the, the plane take off like this. It just doesn't make any sense. So anyways, um, I moved into the house and so on and so forth. So that really began this, um, new something, whatever it is, um, for me. And it continued with um, doctors, uh, different ones. Um, you know, not every doctor is a fit for every person. 
And so um, it took me a minute to find somebody. Um, I actually had, you know, I, I started on DMTs right, right away because I just, just doing what the doctor told me. And I wasn't like someone who invested in my health. So I really didn't consider any other options, but what they were directing me to do. So <laughs> I uh, started on Copaxone, which is an injectable and it, um, I used the pen. Uh, so you put the needle inside this tube and you stick yourself different places, right? So when this particular medication, the pen, when you hit it, it sound, it's a very loud noise. So I would like cringe every time that I had to inject myself. And as time went on, um, I began, uh, it began being very painful at the injection sites. Um, very itchy. I remember once I was in home Depot and I'm like scratching back here and, uh, I'm like, dad, I can't be in here. And, you know, he was just with me the whole way when this process was going on. So we just spent so much time there. Um, very, very lucky to have him. So anyways, um, I ended up, um, stopping the Copaxone because I injected myself in my arm and, um, boy, oh boy, I just got these insane blisters all over my arm, which popped within an hour and immediately were like bloody all over my arm. I know this is super gross, but this is what happened to me. Um, and that night it was so painful. I couldn't sleep. So I stopped that and I started on, um, Pelegrity soon after, uh, maybe, uh, a month after. So the Pelegrity, um, that, you know, knocks you out pretty much. You feel like you have the flu, um, every time you take it. And I think I took it every other weekend was when I, so that weekend was pretty much shot. I was homebound every other weekend um, because it just, it, it, you feel so tired and your whole body aches. Well, that was what happened to me. Those were my um, side effects from that medication. Um, so anyways, during this whole time, I had a couple of relapses, um, nothing as bad as my first one. Um, one of them was about a vertigo. I had it for 10 days. So I'm, you know, here and there about it, whether the steroids gave it to me or not um, the first time, but, you know, um, that's, you know, beside the point, but so I had um, the vertigo that was a relapse. Um, I was, I had another relapse where my, um, my whole arm went numb on my left side and it just got worse every day, every day. I'm like, something's wrong. So I did the actinar gel, um, for that relapse. Um, it was better, not any side effects, but it didn't, um, support the regression of my symptoms as much. So I have neuropathy in my hands. That's my lingering effect. Anyways, um, after my second relapse, when I was on Pelegrity, I said, I am not doing this anymore. I need to take a break and find what's going to work for me. So um, right then after I had 
read a whole bunch of stuff on, um, you know, healthy living, um, changing my lifestyle. So I was that girl that was constantly going out to dinner and drinks and um, socializing and having a good time and not thinking about what I ingested. And so I read the Terry Walls book and I said, I am going to change my life. So I went to Whole Foods and had a big party (laughs) and, um, you know, bought very healthy foods. I stopped drinking completely. um, No gluten, no sugar. Like I said, no alcohol. Um, I no processed foods. I was addicted to fast food. Um, and probably still am. Uh, so that's a constant struggle for me. So um, it's just right there, super convenient and really disgustingly delicious um, if you're into that thing. So um, it was a enormous transition. My father, as I've explained, is very similar to me um, in that he is a socializer. So trying to explain to him how much of a, and everyone else really, how much of a change this was, um, was difficult to say the least, because that's how people knew me. It was like, where is my Edie? So um, that was challenging. And Another part about it was I lost an extreme amount of weight in that three months. I lost 50 pounds. Um, And I've always been overweight pretty much my whole life. There was a time in fourth grade that I was pretty much good. But other than that, um, there's always been some chunkiness on this lady. So um, people started to notice and they were excited. And it was nice that I was losing weight. But that wasn't the purpose of why I was doing what I was doing. And I started to lose sight of the healthiness in focusing more on the weight loss because that was the reinforcement I was getting from people. Not to to say anything about people's perception. Um, I appreciated everyone's feedback and love because that's what they were trying to give to me. Um, But at that time... I really needed to be in a bubble for myself and start um, changing some things. So over the next year, those habits started to come back and I felt it. I felt it in my hands. Um, Every now and then I'd have some other symptoms. Um, Even now when I walk, um, if it's really hot outside, my legs get tingly pretty fast. Um, So Um, anyway, so right after I completed the three months, I, um, decided to get limb trata. So that's a whole nother process, right? This is my next, um, DMT that I was on. So the limb trata was pretty intense and all of the stuff that comes before the limb trata is very scary because you have to get lots of tests done to make sure you don't have other things going wrong in your body because the limb trata will exasperate it. One of those things is skin cancer. So I had to get an all over body scan, um, which, you know, is fun um, by some stranger, but that's okay. <laughs> They're a medical professional. Um, 
<laughs> so that was one. I had to get a whole a range of blood tests and some other things, right? So um, the Lemtrada itself uh, can cause lots of different things to go wrong in your body. So they're just very, very protective. And um, by this time, I had found a new doctor's office um, that was pretty receptive to what was going on. They were specializing in, in multiple sclerosis. Um, there were several physicians on hand. I knew the nurse from just being about in the MS community. Um, so I felt really comfortable there. And they made me feel like they were really taking care of me. So... Um, then, <laughs> uh, I did the Lemtrada. It was five days of infusions. And with those infusions, you get additional steroids, Benadryl, a whole just junk full of medicine pumped into your body. It is extremely draining. Um, I was very lucky that I didn't have any of the side effects that would cause you to, um, really be in pain or anything like that. I um, had hives. Acne is a new thing for me. Um, and at that time, it was like all these little pimples all over my face, um, maybe even rosacea looking. Um, so there was a little bit of self-consciousness. But at that point, I hadn't worn makeup in a couple of years because my hands felt so funky that I was like, I, I just can't spend time on this. So um yeah. So that was one of the side effects that I got. Um, cause I stayed home for two weeks after the initial five day days of infusions. I had those, I was just so extremely tired. And every time I would go to try to say, okay, I'm ready to go back to work. The, um, hives would come back. I had hives all over the place. And, um, you know, the two weeks were up on Monday. I'm like, I told my boss, who was the best boss ever, I'm coming back to work. She goes, okay, are you sure? Um, and I said, yeah, I can't be away for any longer. I'm going crazy sitting at home. So I went back to work and by noon, the hives were all back. So I stayed home for four more days from work and went back on the third week or the fourth week, whatever it was, a long time. And... Um, you know, I didn't see a big change in my symptoms. Not that I had a lot of them. Again, it's just my hands really um, at the end of the day, but I haven't had a, um, a, a relapse since then. The following year um, in the fall, I actually took a new job which was a real blessing. Um, it was a district level position and um, much less stressful than the day-to-day piece of being at the school. And I wasn't working until 10 o'clock at night when the kids got um, picked up from dances and sports and things. So I was able to be home at a reasonable hour and rest myself and really take care and focus on my, my health. So about uh, when I started really settling into the position um, that um, spring, I really, I started examining my eating patterns again and saying, I really can't do this anymore. I'm back to where I was almost like five pounds from my original um, large, very large number. And um, I don't feel good. I don't fit in this chair. 
Um, so not just the MS, just my overall health was really suffering. So I, um, I started um, reading some things again, investigating about supplements, about um, the clean eating. And I've pretty much adopted audio or I keep saying this wrong. <laughs> the paleo autoimmune, that's what it's called. And um, I've been doing that for a while now. Now, I'm not going to say that I've been perfect. Um, I haven't, um, but I feel a lot better um, just in my skin. So I, I've now I've lost 70 pounds. I'm feeling good. I have a lot, again, a long way to go and a lot more things I actually need to eliminate from my diet. A lot of things I need to add like um, strength building and um, more cardio for sure. So I'm on a journey. I'm on a path. I know where I need to get to. It's not as fast as I'd like it to be, but it's at my pace and I need to work for what I um, I need. So um, at this point, I've had two rounds of Lemtrada because you get um, a week of the five days and then um, three days the following year. With that, because there's so many things that may happen as a result of the Lemtrada, they test your blood every month for five years. So a woman, a lovely woman, Rhonda, comes to my house every month um, at 7.30 in the morning because she knows how much I need to get to work because that's important to me. Um, she makes that happen. And she comes over and we hang out for about 20, 25 minutes. And she takes my blood and my urine and goes off. And um, then a few days later, I get those um, results. Well, during covid um, the company that she was working for actually closed. So um, I didn't get my blood drawn for a few months. I want to say July until December. I didn't get my blood drawn, maybe November. Um, you know, because I noticed she wasn't coming around. She was texting me. I'm like, Rhonda, where are you? She's like, we're in limbo. I'm sorry. It's happening. So um the next company, that's when they started, but I took it upon myself to go to Quest and get some blood work done because starting in like September, I wasn't feeling myself and I didn't think it was my MS. It, I just felt um, weird. I had some very strange symptoms. My hair was falling out, um, just some weird stuff. I'm like, I think this might be my thyroid. So Needless to say, um, the thyroid results came back and I have, I'm hyperthyroidism. So um, I had an appointment with a doctor and um, an endocrinologist in December. And in January, she put me on some more medication. So I'm taking another pill, actually two a day. Um, she had taken me off one at one point and now I'm back on two because um, I, it didn't work taking me off of one. So um, I started experiencing all those symptoms again. Now, one of the symptoms was that uh, I had some weight loss definitely as a result of the, of the hyperthyroidism. And people were like, that's such a great thing. I'm like, no, I feel terrible. I, I can't keep any food in me. I am losing my hair. There's hair all over my bathroom every morning. It, 
there's just so much more than that. Even I just felt run down and really fatigued. And, um, so now, um, I've upped those meds, but I really, really want to focus on moving forward, getting stable and using my, um, health regimen to really, um, eliminate the need for those. So as I continue on this journey, I am just focused on getting much more healthy. One thing that's really helped me, especially lately, um, has been my MS community. And um, I found a couple of ladies, um, Morgan and Melissa, um, earlier on, uh, met them through mutual friends. I'd actually known Morgan for years, didn't know she had multiple sclerosis. And we started doing some things together, going to some um, events um, like the MS Walk. I started participating in that. Um, Melissa does the the cycling. So I had went to that and a couple other of things. And um, it just got me feeling like I had people to connect with because the other people in my life don't understand what I'm feeling on the inside. They see the outside and, you know, it's gorgeous and all that, (laughs) but um, the inside is what, what counts for me. So um, anyway, I um, love them and I'm so grateful for them. So Melissa and I, especially Melissa, has been trying to connect um, more with the MS community over the past few years, and um, she's been able to make some progress with that, but it's been really slow. So we went to um, brunch one day, and I said, Melissa, you want to do this podcast thing with me? And she's like, yeah, I think I do, but I have this other thing going on. I don't think it's going to work out. So she... um, so yeah, I'll try it with you. So in that process, I started getting on social media to try and put some feelers out there to see what the need was for this kind of conversation amongst um, like-minded people um, and just this whole autoimmune community. And I didn't know what was out there. I had been involved in a couple of Facebook groups, but it's really just like, Some people are asking questions about their MS. Some people are asking questions about the Lymtrata process. Um, They're trying to make each other laugh to feel better, which I need that all the time. Um, But I, I wasn't connecting with people, if that makes sense. So I started taking it upon myself to reach out to people and it's just been the most amazing experience. I, I can't explain to you the, the love and connection that I feel um, with, with these people that, um, that are now in my life, that I call my friends. I've met people that have had stem cell treatments. I've met people that have healed their body through um, healthy eating, um, just a myriad of different um, perspectives. And I'm just so blessed to be in this space. And it is motivating me personally as a human to um, make better choices in my life for my health. Because um, at this point, I have lived probably half my life and I love the rest of it to be amazing. And um, it's not going to be like that unless I take care of myself. 
So these people in our MS community are really um, such a great support system. Um, and I want to thank every one of them um, and every one of you for listening today um, to my story um, as I move forward. So, um, of course, things always change and evolve in our lives. Um, and so I'm headed into a new journey with this podcasting. And um, if you're here and you're listening, you've found me. Um, and so um, other places that you can find me, right? So I have a YouTube page. Um, I have the Instagram, the Facebook, um, all of those things. And they're all at Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. So you can definitely reach out to us. Our hashtag is thriving. So if you want to, um, you know, definitely make sure I'm getting your messages and things, um, use that hashtag. Um, please reach out if you um, need support, if you want to make a connection, if you want to be a guest on the podcast. I'd love to have um you know, just a myriad of different stories to tell. I think it's important um, because each one of us is different. You know, they call us snowflakes and spoonies for a reason. Um, and so I'm just interested in learning more about each individual person's journey. And so um, please log on, share with me, and maybe you will too will help someone else um, through their journey of self-discovery um, within this thing we call an autoimmune disease, multiple sclerosis. Um, again, I want to thank you all for joining me today and listening to this story. Um, I hope that um, somehow you've been um, maybe learned something and felt inspired. Um, my core values are growth and humor. And so that's what this podcast is all about, learning and growing with each other and hopefully enjoying ourselves in the process. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Find us on Instagram at Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Our Facebook group has the same name. Although I am a doctor, my expertise is in educational leadership and not in medicine. The information provided on this show is for community building purposes and not meant to provide medical advice. Should you have medical questions that you need answered, please consult your medical professional. We'll see you next time as we chat it up on another episode of Thriving Over Surviving Podcast.